You're listening to episode 22 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there and welcome back. Now, if you're interested in decluttering your home, chances are real good you've heard of Marie Kondo. She's the author of the best-selling book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, and she's the founder of the hugely popular KonMari method of tidying. Now, the KonMari method has an almost cult-like following because people who have decluttered the KonMari way swear that they have decluttered their home, their health, their wealth, and their overall well-being for good. There's no setbacks, there's no relapses in terms of clutter. I do not have Marie Kondo on today's show, but I do have the next best thing. Today I am interviewing two women who have dedicated themselves to the KonMari way of life. Karen Sochi is a psychotherapist turned KonMari consultant, and she studied under Marie Kondo herself. I also have Kristen Ivey, who is the first certified KonMari tidying consult in Chicago. Together, Karen and Kristen co-host the Spark Joy podcast, which is all about exploring the world of KonMari and how the method improves lives. Now, before we hop right into today's interview, I quickly want to mention that it's almost June. And June is my birthday month. So I am celebrating with a four-week sustainability challenge group. I know what you're thinking. Oh my goodness, four weeks challenge group. It sounds daunting, but it's totally not. First of all, it's free. I send out four emails with four challenges, and each challenge comes with a laundry list of suggestions to help you complete that week's challenge. Now, my June challenge group is all about sustainability. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you've been thinking to yourself that you'd really like to get serious about living a slightly more eco-friendly existence, I'm here to help you. This challenge is meant to be a helping hand or maybe even a kick in the butt for some people who'd like to make some small incremental changes toward sustainability. Again, the challenge is free, and more importantly, it's fun. You can find all the details on the June Sustainability Challenge group in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash zero two two. Now, be sure to stick around to the end of the episode because I am giving you a little hint about what we are talking about on next week's show. Enjoy the interview with Kristen and Karen. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you both? How are you, Karen? Great. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. And hi, Kristen. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having us on your show. I always love talking to people in my niche, especially people who are experts in their fields. And um, I think it's safe to say you both are fans of Marie Kondo. Would that be accurate? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably super fans at this point. <laughs> yeah, agree. 
I was hoping maybe we could start with you, Kristen. Could you tell us how you found KonMari? Sure. Well, I found KonMari during a point of transition. I was living in Northern Virginia at the time, and I had moved out of my condo and just moved in with my parents to spend a year there with my um, grandmother as well as my parents. And I was working a typical corporate job, uh, government contracting. And I was just feeling like uh, there was something more, you know, out there for me. And I took that year to just save up some money and kind of figure out what the next phase of my life would be. And sure enough, I stumbled upon Kunmari in a blog. And I've always loved different aspects of productivity and life optimization and and organization tools. So I really resonated with the book and it just came at a great time. And nearly a month after reading the book, I had tidied up at least two to three different categories of my own belongings. And I started to pretend like I was a consultant and uh, tidy my friend's space and my parents' space. So I told one of my friends that if Kanmari ever comes to the U.S., I would sign up immediately and become a consultant. And that's what I ended up doing a couple months uh, later. And the rest is history. It's amazing how one small step can change the trajectory of your life. Exactly. And Karen, I saw on your website that you're a professional organizer and tidying consultant. How did you come to find KonMari? Well, I had started my professional career as a clinical psychotherapist. I have an MA in, in psychotherapy. Um, and, and so uh, although I had done therapy for a good 10 years, you know, direct counseling for about 10 years, I had moved into the business aspects of healthcare. Um, and in fact, had gone back and gotten my MBA. So I was really kind of looking for something a little different. Um, I enjoyed working in healthcare. It was very rewarding, but I just wanted to do something a little bit, I don't know, something completely different, but I was really having a hard time deciding what that was. And at some random point, I think very soon after Marie's book hit the United States, I discovered it somehow. And I'm not even sure if I read it on a blog or I, I saw her on TV or whatever it was. But for some reason, I went and got the book. And um, even though I never really considered myself that big of a, of a you know person with a lot of stuff, um, I've lived in tiny little New York City apartments for a very long time, um, I decided to give it a try and I gave it a try as part of it when we were getting ready to move into, into the apartment that we're in now. And um, I was just amazed at the transformation. And um, I mean, I certainly was amazed at how much stuff I was able to let go and how, um, how relieved I felt to let the things go and to, to have, to feel less burdened by the things in my life, but also just everything about, about my sense of well being and, um, you know, just general outlook just really changed. So that really kind of really got me going. And then I was very determined to find something different. Um, and I and I started looking into um, what Marie Kondo did. And I, I discovered that she had been training consultants in Japan and um, thought that sounded super interesting. And then she came and spoke at the Japan Center here in New York City, which is a, a Japanese kind of cultural 
um, organization that's affiliated with their mission here at the UN. And it was an amazing place and it was an amazing presentation and um, just fell in love with us. So then some point after that, she began talking about uh, this idea of trading consultants in the United States. So I just, as soon as I heard that this was a possibility, I just jumped on it and um, couldn't wait for the seminar and was very excited when it actually happened. And, and then here I am. Here you are. <laughs> I was wondering, maybe, Kristen, if you would give a quick breakdown of the KonMari method for my listeners, just in case there's anyone who, by chance, hasn't heard of Marie Kondo and her breakthrough strategies. Sure thing. So KonMari is the Japanese-based decluttering method made popular by Marie Kondo. And the word KonMari is kind of a... a, a spin or nickname um, based on her name. So a little rearrangement of the letters there. And it is all about sparking joy. So typically when we think of organizing a space, we traditionally would think of what we need to get rid of. And putting a lot of attention, dwelling on what we need to discard often makes us really anxious. And it's often the barrier between getting started. Uh, So the Kamari method really shifts the attention to what sparks joy, so what you want to actually keep. And then everything else is just noise that you then um, let go of so that the things you keep shine. And I would say that really the pillars of this method are respect, gratitude, and joy. So it's all about honoring the things in your home, being a extension of a home that you honor, and letting go of things in with gratitude, keeping gratitude in mind. So uh, something that's unique to Kamari and a bit unconventional is verbally saying thank you to the items that you let go of, really honoring the season that they've had in your life. And that one small exercise really helps you move emotionally through the process of letting go. Uh, Unique to Kamari also is to start with your vision in mind and using that to ground your decision making. So thinking about your ideal lifestyle, your ideal living environment, what that exactly is so that it's easy to or easier to make decisions on what stays and what goes. Also unique to Kamari is tidying by category and not location. So traditionally, when we think about organizing, you would start in a room or in a drawer. With Kanmari, it's all about pulling one category of items together, confronting clothing that may be in a storage unit and in your attic and in your bedroom, and really feeling the weight of that category in, in relative to your space and sitting with how that feels and then making decisions from there that end up really becoming a habit and behavioral changes in terms of consumption. So some of those other categories that are unique to Kamari starts with clothing and then uh, books, then paper, then miscellaneous, then sentimental uh, items, which could include items from any of the pre- prior categories. So you save that till the end. So you work your way up to that more uh, challenging and emotional category. You don't end up going down memory lane too soon in the process. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get there later. That's one of my pressing questions sure. as I uh, read KonMari years ago. Um, but we'll get to that. Okay. I love how Marie Kondo really encompasses decluttering and organizing and tidying all at once in 
you know, one neat package. But this is a podcast heavy on sustainability. And I just have to ask, what is up with the kind of almost obsession with stuff? And I say that jokingly, but what I'm really asking is, there's an awful lot of talk about weeding out the imperfect stuff and leaving the stuff that brings joy, the beautiful stuff. And I wonder if that's still an obsession with stuff and consumerism. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that, Karen. Well, I think it's a super, super great question and um, a, definitely a criticism that I think that I think we're pretty familiar with um, as kind of my consultants, because I think there's some validity to that in the degree that I would say it certainly seems as though most of my clients come to me completely obsessed with their things and what to do with their things, how their things are making them feel, um, how they don't know how to sort and decide what they should keep and what they need to get rid of being really concerned with um, what they can't get to, what they want, what they don't want, not being able to have any clear vision, but it's all about their stuff. When I go into people's homes, I, I really am acutely aware of the role that things have taken in their lives. I'm aware now, looking back at the role that things took in my life without even really realizing it. We live in such a consumerist culture that we're just surrounded by by messages all day long that somehow our life would be better if we bought this next great thing. For a lot of our clients, I think that shopping is a huge part of their self-identity. It's also a huge part of how they make themselves feel better. Um, and it's not even about the stuff anymore after after a while. It's just about um, looking for that next almost adrenaline rush that you get from finding the perfect thing out there in the world and bringing it home. And then, you know, whether, whether or not you even enjoy it becomes almost a secondary thought. So starting from the premise that we are working within a culture that is obsessed with things, Kanmai is really attempting to ta- have people take a step back and to think about whether or not these things are actually playing the role in your life that you want them to. And if they're not, then why are they there? We're always asking our clients, what is, what is the future use of this item? If you haven't been using it, why, why are you allowing it to have space in your home? So it's really kind of a reordering of those objects. Kanmai is definitely a philosophy that believes fewer things that are more important to you is a better way of life, but it's not necessarily a minimalist philosophy in the sense that we're not so concerned with the number of things that you have, but that you look at each thing as being something that deserves a place in your life. If it's just clutter, if it's just something that you own for the sake of owning it, then it's really, you really want to ask yourself what that's, what that's really about. But I would say for, for almost all of my clients, myself for sure included, that after the process, I became so much less interested in shopping. I have my my clients tell me all of the time, and sometimes they just volunteer it. You know, I've not bought anything since we started doing this. Someone who maybe felt like they were bringing home something every day. Um, You just really begin to realign the role that things have in your life. And yes, we are starting with the things, because usually that's the thing that people are finding to be most troubling, this this overabundance or this 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 clutter in their life, this lack of balance in their life between the 
the person that they are and the person they want to be and the amount of things that they own. So we're really attempting to kind of realign that to a better, to a better attitude about objects. I would say even recently, one of my clients, she uncovered a quote in her home and it was a quote, I'm sure you've probably heard before. It was a Gandhi quote and it's be the change that you want to see in the world. And I thought about this in the context of Kanmari because the exercise of tidying in this way, it's not meant to necessarily really be selfish or self-indulgent or obsessive. Uh, it's meant to really be an exercise of self-expression or self-discovery and even like self-care, or self-love. And it's not always like roses and manicures, that kind of self-care. It's really the hard work that uh, is it creates the change. So there's growing pains at times and it can be emotional, but it's worth it in the end because it opens you up to having the capacity to then turn around and focus on things other than the stuff in your home, uh, the things that can impact your community or even just more immediately your family. Mm-hmm. Karen, I just wanted to circle back to something you had mentioned, which was when you started Kanmari in your own life, you found less of a need to shop. From a sustainability standpoint, that's really the ultimate goal because our consumption habits collectively is the most devastating uh, aspect of our lives on this planet. So I guess I'm wondering whether through your clients, have you seen a similar shift in habits? I I believe sustainability shows up within KonMari and also outside of KonMari or more so as an extension of the tightening event itself. So within KonMari, Marie Kondo actually specifically discusses uh, reusing and repurposing things in the home. So the solution is not to buy more bins, more organization tools. Usually that's just a Band-Aid, a quick fix. You can have all the bins in the world and still feel like your home is cluttered. That so is true. Yes. Not always the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Marie is all about finding things like boxes or other unique containers that open up uh, when you are letting go and while you're letting go. And you can repurpose those to really store the things that you love and the things that spark joy and just rearrange, repurpose them in different rooms and just give them a new life. So it shows up in that way. Also, a lot of my clients are recyclers uh, or very conscious about where they're items are going to. They want to donate instead of discarding. So it kind of shows up in that regard. And then after your tidying event is over, uh, I I know I definitely have consumed less myself. I finally reached the end of Amazon, as I call it. I, I definitely was an unconscious consumer. So I've changed my behavior in that regard. And I'm also becoming more and more aware of uh, fair trade practices and the source of some of the products I use, moving to more organically sourced uh, materials and um, body products, beauty products, things like that. So I'm just a m- more mindful consumer in, in many regards. And that's one of the uh, extensions of the Kanmari lifestyle. So a tidy home, less stress, decreased anxiety, more free time, and a different worldview in terms of eco-friendly practices. I love it. (laughs) So I have a couple questions that came up 
as I was learning all about Marie Kondo. And I'm going to ask them just because I feel as though if I had them, somebody else out there must have been wondering the same things. And maybe you guys have heard them before. But my first one is, there are things in every home that you keep for utility, right? I'm thinking light bulbs and your tax returns and batteries. They don't necessarily spark joy, but you should probably keep them around. So Karen, what do you say to clients with those items? Well, so we all have those items <laughs> and we definitely need those items. So um, in Kanmai and in, and in really, this is a philosophy that goes back, you know, decades and decades. So William Morris, who at the turn of the century was an interior designer and his famous quote was, do not have anything in your life that you do not believe to be beautiful or know to be useful. And basically what he means is that something can, and the way that this translates into Kanmai is that something can spark joy simply because it allows you to live the kind of life that you want. So those batteries are used in, you know, whatever, whatever device or appliance that, that brings you joy and you need those. So their usefulness is actually a joyful thing. The trick is that a lot of times we find that we've got a thousand batteries maybe many that we don't even need and we didn't put them away the first time. So we had to go buy some more because we couldn't find those. Um, and the same is true of light bulbs. I work with so many clients who have light bulbs that don't fit anything they have. Um, so again, we're looking at everything and saying, does this fulfill the purpose that you want it to fulfill and therefore brings joy into your life because it's performing its function well? That's great. Thank you. I love that explanation. Yes, it de would definitely bring me joy to have batteries on hand next time the power goes out, right? <laughs> and a flashlight and all yeah. those things. Yeah. Now, another question I have, we'll pose this one to you, Kristen, is what do you say to people who are reluctant to declutter and tidy simply because they're afraid of letting a thing or many things go that they'll either miss or will need sometime later at an undefined point down the road. Sure. The use someday. Yes. You hear this a lot? We do. Uh, it's a, it's a, almost a category in and of itself. Uh, but uh, I would say the Kanmari method really helps with this whole question of, oh, maybe someday I will use XYZ. It starts with a step that, unfortunately, a lot of people practicing this method uh, skip over, which is to focus on your vision. And this vision grounds all of the decisions moving forward. So as I mentioned, it's all about asking some questions up front to understand kind of the boundaries that you're working in within when you're moving through the method. So what do you want more of in life? What do you want less of in life? What does an ideal day look like for you? What areas of your life are going well? Where is there some room for improvement? So we could be keeping something to use someday and lose sight of what's important in the present and what needs to be acted on now. Uh, so it's all about understanding what currently sparks joy for you so we can ground ourselves a bit better within the vision and then take action. Do you ever get any pushback from clients who really just can't see their vision manifest? 
So I definitely have a client who fits this criteria so perfectly. It's um, it's it's almost like this perfect question for her. She this is a client who's actually going through a lot of transitions in her life. She's gone from working in a very buttoned up corporate environment to being retired. She's also begun a new life with a new relationship in her in her later years, and she and her new boyfriend basically are like Grateful Dead. Pets and they love going to concerts. They travel all over the world together, going to these concerts, and they wear basically rock and roll T-shirts and jeans and very casual. In her closet, you will find the most amazingly beautiful and outrageously expensive Chanel suits, Prada outfits, designer—you name it. She has closets full of these amazingly gorgeous clothes, many of which she's never even worn, but she loved buying them. So when I went, to, when I started working with this particular client, the the real issue was that there was no room in her life for this relationship, not even physically. There, her her new boyfriend couldn't even come stay with her in her apartment because there was just no room. But she had the hardest time letting go of these things, even though they didn't fit her life anymore. She had invested so much of her emotional energy into these beautiful things that it was it was really a struggle for her to begin to let go of them. It took a long time, and it was a very long process. But over over the span of many months, she's begun to be able to say, you know, I'm really not going to wear these things anymore. I never really wore them. I never even liked wearing them. They weren't that comfortable. And so I, I often joke with her that she has a fashion museum instead of a closet. But slowly over time, and only with a lot of care and thought, has she been able to start moving away from some of these things because she's begun to accept the person that she is now and to understand that her vision for herself does not include these things any longer. I want to move right along to the bane of my existence, which is gifts my children just constantly get. They just come in, they come in with the kid, and I find them later. So my question for you, Karen, is how would Marie Kondo handle unwanted gifts that really doesn't necessarily spark much joy? It just comes on in with the child. Uh, so that's a great question. Um, there's a couple of things. So first of all, uh, she talks a lot about this idea that, that, that the gift is in the giving. So when someone gives you something and you accept it and thank them and acknowledge the gift, that's really the whole present. Whether that person is not expecting you to like hang on to it for the rest of your life, especially if it's not something that you can use. Um, if you've given someone a greeting card, your expectation is not that they hold on to that Christmas card or that holiday card or even that birthday card for the rest of their lives. And yet we often work with clients who have every single thing that's ever been given to them and they just can't let it go because it was a gift. The reality is, is it's, it's a gift and not a burden. Once you've acknowledged the gift, used it if it's something that's useful to you, enjoyed it if it's something enjoyable to you, but following that, you can safely pass it on to, you know, donate it to someone who might really be able to use it. You know, obviously this is especially true of, of things like clothing that's given to you or, or especially with the little, with children, toys that they've outgrown. The other thing too is to try to stop things from coming in in the first place, which I know is really hard with kids. There's this new thing that's happened since I was a kid where every time a child goes to a birthday party, they come back with like a huge bag of toys. So a lot of times what we talk to, to parents about is is trying to circumvent that from the beginning, maybe coming 
coming up with a plan with the other parents that, that, that maybe, you know, they just, we don't all need to start doing that because it becomes so competitive. And then it's, you know, what kid is giving out the better gifts. Also, one thing that a lot of families are doing, I know in my family, we do, we have really started doing this. And I, and so it's such a great thing is instead of giving actual items, we give experiences. So we try to plan for, you know, move. I mean, even something like um, going to the movies or, you know, getting a a gift certificate to go to a nice um, restaurant together or even a trip, planning a trip or an outing or something like that is just so much more meaningful than, you know, some, another toy, another, you know, box full of Legos. So there's some things, some real, you know, strategies that you can employ. It's really hard, especially if your children are young, because little children are very drawn to shiny objects. So um, it can be a real struggle. Yes, they're drawn to these shiny objects and they don't have the maturity or wisdom to understand that they're just shiny objects. So I know in my house and maybe in some other homes with young children, the struggle is real. Parents will tell me that their their children have such a hard time paying attention to or, or staying focused on anything. And then I'll go into their bedrooms and it's just wall to wall stuff. And I'm like, you know, I think, I think your child is having a hard time focusing because there's just so much going on here. So sometimes what I've done is we've taken, um, especially if if the parents are really unsure what things their kids want to be playing with, is to take everything away but a few things that they seem to be mostly focusing on at that time. Put them all somewhere else and see if they ask for them. And after a period of time, if they've not asked for, you know, the 17th, Lego set, maybe some of those things you can start letting go of. Um, I I think a lot of times kids are just so overstimulated because they just have so much stuff. It's interesting that gifts and guilt kind of start with the same letter there because they're often intertwined. I think that especially moms um, and just anyone who, who struggles with feeling like they're obligated to accept gifts that are given, uh, that can be really troubling and they can attach the emotion of, uh, or the act of giving a gift a little bit too closely to the object where really it's just a form of expression. Uh, the, the actual thought behind the gift is what counts, age old saying. So, uh, that applies here. And I would say if you're struggling with, understand or managing the quantity of gifts in your home, I would say the first step would be to collect them all together. So almost create them as a a miscellaneous category and then confronting the number and maybe drawing what sparks joy from that pile and maybe even asking your, your kids to get involved with that or putting boundaries and saying some of these gifts needs to be donated. Which ones can you let go of? So start to uh, help them understand how to donate things. Kids also really love saying thank you. So I actually encourage, encourage a lot of my mom clients to create a thank you box where kids can just always be actively you know, putting things in that box that they want to release and donate to other children who can then um, give their toys a new life. I love that. I'm doing that tomorrow morning. My final question for the both of you, I'm hoping you'll both weigh in, is I feel as though many people are on board with the why of decluttering. They understand why decluttering, tidying up, minimizing your stuff. They understand why that's beneficial in their lives. But I feel as though most people get stuck on the how. 
KonMari is all about the the big tidy. We call it a tidying festival or tidying party, uh, tidying celebration, tidying event. It it comes (laughs) anything that makes it sound really exciting for you. (laughs) Okay, so it's an event, right? Correct. Do you have any practical KonMari um, first steps for people who want to declutter, but maybe are not ready to jump right into this gigantic tidying event? I would say the first tip would be to check out your calendar clutter before you check out your physical clutter. Because the act of tidying, at least the KonMari way, requires at least three to five hours of concentrated deep work and thought and time. It's not about tidying a little bit here, a little bit there. It's about tackling one category, um, taking clothing, for example, you know, at once uh, and really confronting that amount of clutter and making changes from there. So it's important to actually start to make time in your schedule to handle this. And if you haven't been used to making tidying a priority or even making self-improvement, self-development a priority in your schedule, then there's just no way that it's even going to lift off the ground. So it's important to just make an appointment with yourself and make it as mandatory as you would an appointment with your boss or appointment to um, do something with your children or your spouse. Make it appointment that's firm and, and just for you. It's all about doing this in an intense way. But but the word event is, is key here because it's not about uh, just kind of uh, rebounding, you know, a year from now into being uh, untidy again. It's about doing this aggressively first. So you change your behavior. So you're tidying once and for all. So down the line, you're you're not bouncing back because you're always conscious of what's coming into your house and you have the tools and the approach that KonMari teaches you so that you can stave off uh, clutter coming back in your home, even when you move through the dif- different transitions of life, like moving or sharing a space with a significant other or having a child, you're always prepared to uh, uh, tackle clutter. You know what your vision is. You're equipped with what you need to stave off clutter once and for all. Mm. So the event gives you the skills necessary to set you up for success in the future. Exactly. Yep. Karen, would you have anything to add? Sure. So, and just right along with what Kristen was saying, um, the the great thing about KonMari is that, and the reason that the categories are laid out the way that they are is because the clothing category is considered to be the easiest. And as you're going through that category, you develop the muscle that allows you to get through the harder categories as you progress. And it is important to set aside at least three hours, but generally try not to do more than five hours at a time. If three hours is pretty necessary in order to really see that you've made a difference and five, after five hours it can get a little tiring. And I really notice with my clients and some people of course are different. I have some people who are ready to, you know, ready to keep going at five hours. But for most people, you want to make sure that you're able to make good decisions, thoughtful decisions. Um, as you go, that helps prevent, Relapse, but it also helps you build that muscle so that you are more discerning going forward about the things that you bring into your life. Um, for some people, you know, in, in, in Japan, people have smaller homes. So piling up all the clothes in one big pile and, and doing it all at once is maybe not such a, 
such an unusual or difficult thing for um, some of us or Americans who live in really large homes with huge closets and they've uh, had the room to allow tons and tons of clothing to gather up. Sometimes you start with a smaller subcategory. Um, so you're still doing clothing and you've still made a commitment to go through the entire process, but you might start with just getting all your t-shirts together at once and then um, working the process on that. So instead of getting overwhelmed with this idea of, oh my gosh, I have to touch everything in my entire home, which is actually the goal at the end of the day. But instead of getting overwhelmed with that entire idea, think of it in terms of this is what I'm going to focus on today. This is my, my tidying. This is the tidying event of today, part of a larger focus, but this is what I'm going to focus on today. I love that. You're breaking up the enormous task that can be overwhelming for some people into smaller and then even smaller categories until each person finds what's manageable for their event, (laughs) their first event. Yeah, I think it's just getting started is really hard for a lot of people because they're just not sure how. But if you just take that first little step, you find that it just build momentum as you go. It's such a rewarding process. I mean, at the end of it, you know, it's just such an amazing transformation in, in how you feel. It literally, I see the weight just get lifted off the shoulders of clients as they begin to get toward the end of the process. It's really amazing. For listeners who want more of you, Kristen, and you, Karen, where can they find you? Karen, maybe we'll start with you. Oh, sure. So my business is called The Serene Home, and you can find me at theserenehome.com. I'm also on Facebook at Organize NYC and on Instagram at The Serene Home. And Kristen? You can find me at fortheloveoftidy.com. And I'm based in Chicago. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, both Karen and myself are on sparkjoypodcast.com. And you can visit us there on the website, ask us questions. If you're interested in being a guest, you can contact us by just clicking Ask Sparkjoy on sparkjoypodcast.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Kristen and Karen, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your infinite KonMari wisdom. I've had a great time. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a great pleasure. Thank you. So there you have it, KonMari with Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. If you want more of Karen and Kristen, Please know I will be linking to them as well as their podcast in the show notes. I will also be linking to the June free sustainability challenge. You can find all the information you need and sign up at mamaminimalist.com forward slash zero two two M-A-M-A minimalist.com forward slash zero two two. Now, before we say goodbye, just a quick hint about what we're talking about next week. We are talking all about the mental load and how it applies to minimalism. Stay tuned. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.